Which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets and all. Those words speak to us of our mission, God's calling for our life, what he has called us to be in every area of life. And that's what he's called men and women to be. And so knowing God's word, knowing that we're to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and knowing second unto that God requires of us to love one another, we come to this moment. What does it mean to be a godly father? What does it mean to be one that loves God, but also loves his family? And really, we could expand it to say what it is to be a godly mother, a godly son, a godly daughter, a godly friend. What does the word of God require of us? Well, the priority is worship. Worship God. Love God with all of your heart. The second commandment is to live your life in such a way that that love is expressed to those around you. Now, how do we do that? Well, on Mother's Day, I took you to Titus chapter 2. On Father's Day, I take you again to the book of Titus chapter 2, beginning with verse 2 and verse 6 through 8. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, beginning with verse 2. Following the example of Mother's Day, I'm going to go into Father's Day. And we're going to talk about four characteristics of a godly man. Four characteristics that not only transcend being male, but also female. What does it mean to love God and to love others? Titus chapter 2, beginning with verse 2, and then verses 6 and 8. Would you stand in honor of God's word? Titus chapter 2. Verse 2, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and in patience. Now, those are the key characteristics we're going to look at in just a moment. Look at verse 6. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility. Please be seated. Now, why is this important? Well, let me take you back a few years. Not many years ago for me, but just a few years. And not to embarrass my uh, son who is here, but let me just share with you. When I was young and we had triplets uh, living in our place in Palestine, uh, I was a little bit of a handyman around the house, and we had some kind of difficulty in the attic. Now, I don't know what type of apparatus you have to get into your attic, but in our house there, it, it was a pull-down ladder. Well, the children with a sherry, if I'm remembering right, they were wearing their boots, and they were playing and having an excellent time, so I went out into the garage, went into the workroom, pulled down the ladder to go up into the attic. Now, the attic wasn't finished. 
The attic was basically beams and insulation, and I, I went on top of the beams as far as I could go uh, to get to whatever I needed to do. But as I did that, I heard Joshua. Now, I, I'm right over them in the attic, and so I'm thinking, my word, that's not much insulation there. He's, his voice is very clear. Um, and he, Dad, Dad, and I turned around, and here was a little boy in diapers who had climbed up the ladder, who had got into the insulation. Now think about that on your bare skin. And he was trucking from one rafter to the next rafter to me. That said something to me. What it said to me is where I go, he goes. He follows my footsteps. Now, we're going to get into this thing, Pastor, I'm just an ordinary guy, and, and, and Pastor, I can't live up to all of that. But let me remind you that your wife, your children, your grandchildren are following your example. They're watching you. Um, nothing filled my heart with more joy than little Josh squirming out of his daddy's arms and coming and sitting with me. Do you know what that says to me? I've got to set an example for him. He's got to see Christ in me because he's not going to see it in the society. Okay, what does that mean? How best to understand what a godly man is. Let's look at the six descriptive words that are used to describe to us what a godly man is. Let's go back to verse 2, chapter 2 of the book of Titus. That older men be sober. Uh, that's the first word that's given us. And, and that word can be translated to discretion. A, a godly man is a man of discretion. Discretion is required in the midst of the life of a godly man. Joe Nelson said it this way, the Cretans were dedicated to the national pastime of drinking. Anybody seen an example of drinking Saturday? Where young men act foolishly in the, in the vein of celebration? The Cretans were dedicated to the national pastime of drinking, but godly Christian men were to be an example of sobriety. Drunkenness was not worth the price of how it hurt and damaged the church and the family. He starts out with the word sober. We're to be sober. That word meaning discretion. Now, a man of discretion is what? He is a man who controls his emotions and his passions. They're under control. He doesn't allow them to act out of control. He, he doesn't allow just to satisfy his own desires. He's a man that is stable, steadfast, and reflects a clear mind. Now, please hear this. No matter what happens around him. I've told you the story before about uh, us going on a trip. And all of us piling out of the house, and I usually drive, but this time Jonathan and I were playing a game of checkers, and so I jumped into the back of the van, 
and all the children piled in and Sherry drove. Well, what I forgot to tell her, when the garage door opened up, I had my car parked right behind the van and she went into my car. I jumped out of my car to see, out of the van to see how what happened to my precious car. And then I came up to tell Sherry what she should have done. And as I walked by the van, now think about those vans, every window of the van, there was a little face pressed against it, wondering what daddy would say to mama. He's a man that controls his emotions. He's an individual that looks at things not worse, but better. He recognizes that God's strength will aid his areas of weakness. Sweet people, please understand this before I get into this. You can't do this by yourself. The, The only way that you can be a godly man or a godly woman is to have Jesus Christ abide in your heart. That's the only way. And the way you receive that is to simply come to him Cry out to him and ask him to forgive you and come into your life. You can't do this on your own. You're not strong enough to do it. A man of discretion is a man who's clear-minded and has a balanced lifestyle. The word sober can mean clear-minded, one that thinks through his decisions, one that doesn't, isn't rash in what he does, one who approaches life from a godly point of view, who thinks through all things, and thinks about their consequences, thinks about, thinks about the effect of their actions. He's a man of discretion. Look at the second word that is there. The word is sober and then reverent. A godly man is a reverent man. The word reverent can be translated dignity. It doesn't mean that we cannot smile. It doesn't mean that we can't have fun. It doesn't mean that we have long faces or gloomy people. We should have a sense of humor. So what does a life of dignity look like? Well, a dignified life, a life of a godly man, is a lifestyle that is characterized by sinlessness, by walking away from sin. That kind of life is not superficial, it's not trivial, it's not frivolous, it's not immoral, it's not vulgar, it's not sinful. It's a life that's under control of the Lord God. It's a life that turns away from sin and follows God. Why? Because those in your family are watching you and God is seeing your life run before him. They're watching every step you take, like Joshua watched me go up that ladder and he walked in my footsteps. And we must be a people that are dignified. That dignity is exhibited in a lifestyle that brings honor and glory to the name of God. Yes, Lord God. Remember, let's go back to the first premise. What does God expect of us? It is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and spirit. God expects our life as men and women to bring honor and glory to him. The dignity comes because the man or woman walks with God faithfully for years. Not because of your dignity, not because of your trying hard. The dignity comes as you walk with Jesus and you begin to take on his traits, his abilities. 
And a person who lives a dignified life is a lifestyle that respects others. That's that second commandment. To love others with, with all that we are as we love ourselves. You see, we're to respect one another. And how do we do that? We imitate Christ. Discretion. Dignity. Look at the third word. Temperate. The word temperate really carries the idea of discernment. It means someone who's sound-minded, self-controlled, and self-disciplined. That's what the Scripture says. And, and, and to be one of discernment, the first thing you must do is this. You must be steadfast in thought. Now, now, now Pastor, what are you talking about? What I'm talking about is this, sweet people. You've got to know the Word of God. Men, we've got to know what we believe and why we believe it. And what does that mean? That means we need to get into the Word of God. I'm not asking you to be a preacher. I'm not asking you to teach Sunday school class. But do you know what you believe? There's so many errant gospels out there being preached. So many people promoting themselves. Do you know the Lord Jesus? Do you know the scriptural principles? A man of discernment is steadfast. He has a proper perspective of life. And that perspective gives him a stability, not only emotionally but mentally. He keeps his thoughts in control. He knows what he believes. He takes a stand. A man of discernment is a man of self-control. He controls his life. He controls his words. He controls what he says and how he acts. He learns how to put himself under subjection under the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, at the house, just as we got back from convention, in the house next door, there were workmen working on the outside, the siding of the house. Uh, I pulled my car in. And went to my house, and about the time I got to the door, there was a tremendous uh, noise. Um, and, I, and I ran back to the side of the house, and one of the men that had been at the top of my neighbor's house had fallen. Um, one of the workmen there, when we, we worked with him to see if he was all right, took some time. He didn't want to call uh, 911. He didn't want emergency to come. But it was interesting. His fellow workman said to me, you know, pastor, because uh, that's what they call me, pastor. He said, we can forgive him for what he said when we fell, don't you think? <laughs> there are times... But the discernment is required. A man of discernment is a man of self-discipline. Peter the Great once said, I have conquered an empire, but I have not been able to conquer myself. Dear brother and sister, have you? Are there hidden things inside that keep you from fulfilling what God has called you? Are there hidden things that you think are hidden, but your family knows them? And they affect your children, 
and your grandchildren. One of the most destructive forces in the universe is a man who has lost control of his passion. A, a godly man is a man of discretion, a man of dignity, a man of discernment. And a godly man is a man who's dependable. Look at what it says next. Sound in faith. Sound in faith. The Greek word that speaks to us of sound means secure. This man is secure inside of himself. There's an uncompromising belief inside of him. Sound in faith. In other words, he knows where he stands. He knows who he can trust. He knows what he can do. He is sound in that. In what? In faith. Where is he sound? Where is the structure? Where is the foundation that builds him? In faith. The interesting thing about this Greek phrase is this. It's just in faith. And what it means is the faith. What is the faith? It is the gospel. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That is our faith. That's what we put our lives in. That God sent himself unto earth. And he came to earth to pay the penalty for our sin. Now, men, we're going to talk a moment about sacrifice. But Jesus loved us so much. Our Father loved us that he came and died for us, did for us what we could not do for ourselves. You cannot save yourself by religion. You cannot do enough good works to come into the good favor of God. So Jesus came, and he died for you. And he was buried in a tomb, and he rose from the dead. That's the gospel. And that's where we place our faith. That God raised a dead man. And if God raised a dead man, he can raise us. And that's what the scripture says. It is the faith. It is the only faith. Godly men must know what they believe. They must stand upon the word of God. Faith to be healthy cannot be passive. It must be obvious in our life. Both by what we say and what we do. No, it's not the responsibility of your wife to raise the children in religion. It's yours. Because they're going to look to you. A dependable man is consistent in his affection. Look at what the scripture says. Affection. Sound in faith in love. The agape love. A love that comes to us a love that is a choice, a love that is unconditional, a love that is demonstrative, a love that is sacrificial. And how in the world can a man love like that? Well, the first way you do it is this. You imitate Jesus. There's so many things I've learned from my father. There's so many times I wish I could ask him. But things that I do around the house, things I do in my life, I learned from him. He taught me. I don't know what your father was like. He may have been a godly man. He may not. But you can still learn from the heavenly father. Ephesians 5.1 says this, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You want to know how to love? Go to Jesus. 
You want to know why to love? Follow him, and he'll teach you about love. But how do I get that kind of love? I mean, this is the love of Christ. Pastor, if you're telling me that, that I need to be consistent in my affection and, and I need to love like Jesus, how in the world do I get that kind of love? He's God. Galatians 5, 23 says this. But the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these there is no law. Can I tell you how you get it? God gives it to you. It's a gift. You come in to Jesus Christ, and the Lord God will give you a love. Um, you heard John say about children and grandchildren. Now, in a nauseam, you've heard this. But the first time I saw my grandchildren, it was a love that welled up inside of me that I had never experienced before. And every grandchild I have, there is a love. Jonathan and Amanda had a baby born. Um, Rebecca. Um, Joy, just born. And when I saw her, I've got a cold, I didn't want to touch her. But what I saw is a gift of God of love. Now, let me go back again. The kind of love that God wants in a godly man or a godly woman is a love that he gives as a gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. But it's a love that establishes in your life a sacrificial love in which you're willing to give of yourself. That same passage, Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Men, what I'm saying to you is this. If you want to be a dependable, godly man, you're going to sacrifice your life. You're going to give some things away. It's not going to be about you. It's not going to be about your man cave. It's going to be about your family. And they're going to take first priority next to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's first, then them. And that love then is directed through your family into the lives of others. Galatians 6.2. In other words, a godly man is just not related to his own family. But that kind of man, when he, he understands the love of God, the dependability that God gives through that love, it pours out of his life into the lives of others. You see, in this congregation, we've had people like that. We've had individuals, and you could name them, who through their lives gave love to us and, and, and brought us into their presence and made us part of their lives. When my daughter was sick, and we were going to bring her to church, I asked for one of the crustiest deacons I have to sit with her and take care of her. You know what that crusty old man said? Pastor, nobody will bother her. 
I'll take care of her. Thank you, Art. What kind of love? A love that cannot be denied. A love that spills out of your life into the lives of others and gives of yourself. A dependable individual endures pressure. Look at that word patience there. The word patience there in the Greek means to get under, to be able to hold up. It means there's a burden, there's a difficulty, there's something that cannot be moved, but you come under it and you lift it up. You give it strength. I love at our house sometimes when Sherry says, after I finish a little project, she said, I don't know how you know so much. It's just wonderful. I'm so proud of that. Even when I do it wrong and she doesn't know. <laughs> Patience means peace under pressure. It means you don't fall apart. It means you don't throw up your hands. It means you don't give up. Why is that important? Because sweet friends, life is hard. It's difficult. And you're going to face obstacles in your life that you cannot overcome. And your family is going to look to you to sustain them. That's a godly father. It speaks of the ability to remain faithful to the task God has given, even when the circumstances become difficult. That's a man who's dependable. One who can endure hardship, one who can accept disappointments, one that can even overcome failures. One that has learned to be generous in his life, though difficulties come. One that speaks of a life of appreciation to God and appreciation for your family. One that says over and over again, I love you. Please, men, don't lose heart. When things don't turn out the way you hope, remember you're under the authority of God. And God has told us in Romans 8.28 that all things will work together. Trust him. Put your life in him. Make him a partner for everything you do. Titus the words to Paul, to Titus, continue in verse 7 and 8. Look at those. In all things, show yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is, you see there, opponent, may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. What does that mean? That means to be dependable, be a good example. The interesting thing that is given here is the idea of a person who not is affected or molded by his life, but an individual that has such a peace and a strength and a power, he molds the environment around him. That's a godly individual. You see, his walk matches his talk. It means he teaches his children how to pray. It means he raises them up in the understanding of the word of God. It means he brings them into the fellowship and they become part of the fellowship. Dear friends, those are the qualities. Discretion, dignity, discernment, 
and dependability. Those are the things that God looks for. Those are the things that God instills into a godly man. Now, you may not have achieved that yet. But sweet brother, lean upon Jesus. Go to Jesus. And he will give you strength that you do not have. I remember when Jonathan and Joshua were talking about getting married. There's a man by the name of Charles Shedd who wrote an excellent book to his son and his daughter before their marriage. And in the closing words of that book, he said this, advice to those siblings who are going to marry. He said, this is what I'm going to do for you. I will do everything I can to put your hand in the hand of your heavenly father. Is there any greater thing that can be done than to know that you have lived a life in such a way that you've put your children and your grandchildren's hand in the hand of the Father? Uh, you saw him a moment ago, little Josh. Little red-haired Josh. Well, um, we were out with them to eat, as we will be today. And um, we came just before the meal to pray. We all held hands. Little Josh didn't want to hold hands. He wanted to play with his hands, but he didn't want to hold hands. And... Um, I don't remember if I prayed or Joshua prayed, but we prayed. And when we finished, as loud as he could say it in a public place, little Josh said, Amen. <laughs> That's what you want your children, your grandchildren. Dear brother, dear sister, God's not asking you to be a super person, but what he is asking you to be is one that depends upon him for all things. And he will give you the strength. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I would ask in these moments that truly, Lord, you would speak to every father, every mother here, every grandmother, every grandfather. For there is no greater task that you have given than this task, Lord. That, Lord, we follow you that we yield our lives to you, that we come to you for salvation and we come to you for strength and guidance. And Heavenly Father, you will use our life as a blessing. Now, Lord, this morning, there are those I know that are struggling with this. There are those that have children who are wayward. Lord, my prayer is in that moment, that you would give them the heart of the father of the prodigal. That, Lord, you would help them to understand that, Lord, there is hope. And that, Lord, through their prayers and their longing and their love, the Lord God can change even the most rebellious life. We have young ones here today who are wondering how in the world they can guide their children. 
Lord, help them to know in this moment that you are their companion, that you will not leave them. And in those moments when, Lord, they seem they can do no more, you will come. You will bring a peace. You will bring a strength. Lord, you are our God. You are the source of our blessings. You are the source of our strength. And this morning what I ask is that, Lord, we would embrace you with a faith, in faith, that, Lord, can change the lives of those that we have charge over, can change the lives of our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors. For there is power in the Word of God. There is power when a man and woman submit to you. And so, Lord, let there be commitments made this morning. Let there be those that would come to Jesus for that saving faith that comes as a gift from him. Let there be those that reunite with a hope that they can make a difference in the life of their family. And let there be those who surrender to your call. This we ask in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.